Hey folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Obviously, I'm looking for you to join the Tortoise Shack and help support this left-leaning progressive podcast platform. Continue to put out the content that there are literally thousands of you listening to. And the way you do that is you click the link at the top of the podcast that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I just want to say thanks to everybody for the feedback to the Dara O'Brien interview. Negative and positive. It's all welcome. It's We are just doing our best to try and actually ask the questions even if we aren't satisfied with the answers we received and also think I thought it was quite touching some of the messages I received in relation to Luke Ming Flanagan's uh, talk discussion he had with us in relation to his own struggles with mental health and we're very grateful that he shared that with us and you our listeners anyway one more time please go to the Patreon link I can't tell you how difficult it is to try and maintain your independence especially when the first thing people are cutting in this cost of living crisis is the discretionary spending so we know it's tough out there and we need your help to keep the mics on and the conversations going I'm going to stop rabbiting on enjoy the podcast <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined back on the podcast today um, by Dean Skur, who is a activist, uh, community, youth worker, someone who, um, a long time um, housing activist along, uh, we've, we've been together to many campaigns um one of the organizers of apollo house and one of the organizers of the recent uh, ireland for all um fantastic celebration demonstration i'm going to talk about the ongoing um rise in racism anti-refugee sentiment but also the other side of it the deprivation and innovative um work that dean has doing around engaging those who are expressing these anti-refugee sentiments and some involved um, and trying to build bridges and understanding, I think, in really impressive ways. Dean, it's great to have you back on Reboot Republic. Well, thanks for having me, brother. Uh, always uh, good to come on and chat stuff out. You know, we can get knee-deep in the work, but just taking a time out and a pause and chatting it out and looking at where we're aiming ourselves um, in our communities is always interesting. And, and then also to, I was thinking about this driving on the way down to Ballymun today. It's almost like a sales pitch uh, sometimes that we need for the work uh, that we're doing. Um, so I'm just, I'm always aware of what's the sales pitch in conversations I'm having with people around breakfast tables and dinner tables and uh, and so on. Because although we do this all of the time, and it's just in our nature. Most people don't. So most people don't have the conversations that we're having to the level that we have them. Yeah. Uh, so how how do we invite those people in? Yeah. Uh, whatever their experience, whatever their perspective. Yeah. It, it is something that I know both of us are always thinking about is how do you engage people beyond our you know those who agree with us you know on an instinctive level and those who work in this on on a um, both instinctive and a kind of values basis and how do we engage with those who are just wondering or you know maybe not um, as clear or you know have questions of doubts and, and a constant attempt to reach out and reach out and, and bring in people who 
you know, I think at a human level, all of us hold the same values. Um, and what I think what we try to do is, well, how do we get them to touch, touch in, reach into those values inside themselves and make those kind of how they act and, and the basis on which they act um, and inspire and engage and not preach um, and not say you're wrong. And I think that it is, you've done some really interesting work very, very recently and it was covered in the Sunday Business Post. Um, and that was in response to the horrific attack um, on the... Um, place where refugees were living um, in Dublin in tents because of the, the failure, utter failure of government to uh, provide accommodation and of course expose them to um, the yes, female elements and also, also of course created the space within which a focus for uh, the far right almost provided them the, the space would to do that but you took a different approach Um in, tell us what you did. Uh, yeah, and just to clarify, it wasn't just refugees of people seeking protection. It was, as the phrase is, our own. There was, you know, people, homeless people sleeping in tents together with people who have, you know, found themselves in Ireland seeking protection. They were together as a group of people chatting to each other and, you know, and looking at ways of, you know, walking together or, you know, what kind of how they might be able to help each other. So that was the scenario at, at the start. And then I think there was a bit of uh, dramatization or a bit of hyping around, oh, there's men with dark skin sleeping in tents in the city center. Um, so w what I try and do is uh, just see everyone as people. I, you know, regardless of how you got to where you are, I just see that that's all just circumstance, you know, so regardless of your color, religion, gender, age, background, if you're sleeping in a tent somewhere, um, that's that's a pretty uh, unifying experience, you know, if, if that's what you're surviving in. Um, so what I done after the kind of the flames had died down from the fire and the anger and the uh, live streaming and the stoking of the 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 the. the the hate. What I done is I left it, let it die down for a day or two, and then simply went over to the area and introduced myself to a couple of guys who were sleeping outside the international protection office. I said, "Hey, do you want to have a chat?" And there was a couple of guys there uh, from uh, different ages and you know different parts of of um, Africa. So it was an Ethiopian guy, guy from the Congo, a guy from Zimbabwe. And I had a few talking points because I know a little bit about Ethiopia because I'm I'm into, you know, Rastafarianism. So I could talk to him about that. I've been in Zimbabwe, yeah. so I could talk to him about that. So I found a little bit of common ground and explored, uh, explored what we might have in common and you know what, what they have in common with the homeless people who are in that area. And it was just very interesting. It was just a normal like. Set. I was talking to the guy from the Sunday Business Post, and he was going, sounds a bit revolutionary or radical. Uh, I'm not sure. He, he used one of those words. But if having just normal, everyday chit-chat conversation, how are you, who are you, what's going on in yeah. your life, if that's revolutionary, geez, we're a, we're, we're, we're a long way off. You know what I mean? And so that's all I done. I had a chat with a couple of lads for an hour or two, 
I told him about a few things that we were doing in Ballymun. Like the previous weekend, we had ran a thing called the Pele Cup, where we had got a bit of funding, uh, actually for Ukrainian refugees, uh, to bust them into an event in Ballymun. But it, it turned out that, you know, there wasn't a big uptake from Ukrainian refugees. It was more guys in, in international protection. Basically yeah. more, you know, it was mostly black men that took us up on the offer. They yeah. came to Ballymun. And they played in a in a in a football tournament on a bank holiday Monday, uh, 150 of them with 150 local uh, kids, boys, adults, disabled people. There was a whole mix, you know. And we had we played football for a couple of hours. Yeah. And we had the crack. And we had music, and we had the Brazilian ambassador was there. The Lord Mayor was there. We had a bit of food that was supplied. So I just told them that we were doing that, and I told them that we were we had a gym in Ballymun that they could come and use free at eight o'clock and nine o'clock Monday to Friday, and just let them know that, and just say, look, there's stuff here for you to get involved in and to do. Uh, I know you're in a shitty situation, and one of the guys actually described having to go to the toilet in a bag and wipe himself down with a t-shirt, and I just went, this is. Uh, these aren't the villains. These yeah. aren't the villains. Somebody is telling us that these are the villains. And when you actually go and meet them, it's they're not the villains. It's like Jaws. Remember that film, Jaws? I do indeed. It, it, you know it I mean? stayed with me for a long time, yes. Just that, that scaremongering, that fear, that stoking of, of, of those flames. And actually, when you step outside of your own uh, internet screen and talk to these people, they're human. There's a human experience there. And yes, some of them might have done A, B and C, but sure, we've all, uh, there's none of us can walk around with our heads held up high saying, you know, we're, we're so self-righteous. I think we've left that version of Ireland well behind. You know what I mean? The pious, good Christian, I don't do anything. But I, even, can throw, even, I can even, throw stones at anybody. Yeah, none of us like, are in that place. One one of the most bizarre, um, you know, tropes that is thrown at, you know, to try and stoke this is this idea of the, you know, they're all, um, you know, this description of, you know, rapists and, you know, they're going to, you know, women are at danger and, and you go like <laughs> the biggest, you know, abusers of women and those who engage in, in assaults of women you know, are Irish men and who, yeah, so, you know, so, in people's yeah, families. So in, this, in this country, you would know them. They'd be our brothers, cousins, uncles, you know, fathers, dates like, that you were on. The, no. the, the, you know, statistics on um, violence against women is overwhelming. The majority of people, you know, well, majority are known, known to the, and, and, and this idea that somehow the other out there is the ones that are at danger to women when in actual fact it's our own society and people in our own society. And and it, it's just this this othering. I think yeah, it's but that, so but that's that othering doesn't sell tickets. You know what I mean? It doesn't put bums on seats for a march or for a recruitment process for a you know um a, a group of people who want who have a certain agenda. You know, them waving flags going, your brothers and your uncles and your dads are the biggest uh, sex offenders in the country. That doesn't put bums on seats. What put bums on seats, the sales pitch here, and it's a brilliant sales pitch. The sales pitch is here. Black men, for want of a better phrase, are here illegally 
with no vetting and they're raping women or whatever they're doing. They're selling drugs, they're robbing, they're taking the piss. Um, you know, that that puts bums on seats. Yeah. That gets people's attention. That gets people in a fear state. And in a fear state, um it's a it's a great way then to go in with your couple of words about your organizations to say uh, look, the country's in a shit state. There's homelessness everywhere. The government or the government don't give a fuck. And now on top of that, we have all these dodgy black people come over here and sign up or give us your money or give us your vote for our uh, political agenda. Uh, and as as sales pitches goes, it's very effective. You, it's undeniably effective. You know what I mean? And and, and of course, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't, we wouldn't be talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, it, it's tied into completely and utterly tied in to the housing crisis and the utter abandonment by governments of people at risk of homelessness and in homelessness in this country. And the government absolutely created this vacuum where people feel, as you have spoken about and work in, disadvantaged communities, completely abandoned um you know, those left, you know, the, the fact that children, it's just accepted by policymakers and government argue that, well, it's normal, you know, that children are, are going into homelessness and families. We don't see that as emergency. So in that absence of government being concerned for those who are homeless in Ireland, then that just allows it then free reign to the to those who want to say, oh, look, they don't give a shit about your own. You know, they only care about refugees Therefore, the problem is refugees rather than going, actually, the problem is government. The problem is our housing system. The problem is, you know, private greed in terms of landlords evicting tenants. Like even that notion, how much is the housing crisis, you know, a kind of fuel to this? Or is it a more broader, this whipping up of those fears that we just spoke about of the of the other? Um. Yeah, I think they go hand in hand. You know what I mean? The housing crisis is, is kind of like a perfect gift for people who want to whip up that fear. Um, and yeah, I've I, I um, like how, how we got together. Force was I reached out to you to advise me or give me some stats on homelessness in about 2016. And yeah. at that time, there was six thousand homeless uh, people or people using emergency accommodation. Yeah, okay? and it was a According to Peter McFerry, there was a hundred thousand people hidden homeless. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward uh, six years or seven years since then, and it's doubled. There's yeah. twelve thousand, and there's according to the Simon community, so there's twelve thousand people engaging in uh, emergency accommodation, and there's according to Simon, there's three hundred thousand hidden homeless. Mm. So it's doubled. So it's kind of like a perfect gift for uh, groups who uh, traditionally wouldn't have had a lot of recruitment power. People wouldn't have gone to, you know, uh, fascist or racist or far right parties by default. Um, so what? How do they get their numbers up? Because when you hear them, and this is an interesting thing, and I wanted to talk to you and Tony about this about a year ago, but we just didn't get around to it. Uh, not many people, I would imagine, on a daily basis, are have a clear understanding about what the difference between nationalism, yeah. Yeah, and and this other thing called republicanism. Yeah, okay, and even some Republicans wouldn't know. You know what I mean? And yeah. even some Republicans would have fascist, racist ideas in their heads. 
and there's yeah. some nationalists would have Republican ideas in their head. And it's not clear. And I know guards, teachers, nurses who do not understand the clear distinction in this country. And it is relative between this thing called nationalism and this thing called republicanism. And in that um, in that space where there's a lack of dialogue and a, a, and a miscommunication, it's easy to use the other person's romantic version of the word, like nationalists using the Sinn Féin Republican version of the word, as a, as a recruitment tool. And Do you, one, of the, one of the reasons I know that is because Pierce Street, Pierce House, is traditionally Republican. Yeah. There's a like there's a big history yeah. there with Republicanism yeah. and, and IRA and all that type of stuff. And I'm not speaking out of out of school. That's kind of well known in that area. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there there have been people down there recently who have been um who have had honey poured in their ears. And I use that kind of analogy a lot in terms of accepting the nationalist um ideology and the nationalist ideology is we want white male christian da 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 uh, and we want the irish nation uh, and it's, it it is it is very interesting because the, those concepts and ideas of what is nationalism and what is republicanism that they've often been conflated and you know just put together and considered the same thing Whereas they, comp of course, have completely different histories. And nationalism, you know, you think of it, British nationalism and the British white nationalism is those ideas around nationalism are about, you know, this defined nation state. And, you know, the often linked to that, you know, quite a almost racist ideas and in many ways are actually racist ideas. Whereas republicanism in the broader sense goes back to the French Revolution, the ideas of liberty, equality, fraternity, it's this idea of the nation state being a place within which it fulfills people's needs. And it's the idea of having independence, but independence as a state for equality and to achieve equality. Yeah, the big and thing there is, is, is equality as, as opposed to this is our sovereign nation and we only want our types in here. Yeah. And as you said, they get confused, they get conflated, they get pushed up against each other. Yeah. And it's... Uh, they're they're so they're on paper they're so opposed, but in reality they're very close. That's yeah. In, oh honestly, well, well, they're very close, and they are being manipulated. When you talk to people, they're very close in people's heads. They're very yeah. close. Yeah. Because and one of the reasons I know that is because I went to Bail in the Blah uh, two years ago on Michael Collins' anniversary, and the National Party were there with their green coats and their green flags, and the first twenty minutes of their uh, speech was very romantic Ireland. And then there was the blaming and the finger pointing and the scapegoating of gay people, transgender people, disabled people, black people, you know. Yeah. But it was only after the initial, yeah. you know, come all ye into our fold. And I think that that's what some of the people in Ireland kind of fell into in November, December, January, February, March, you know? Well, well it does. It goes back to like, you know, the, the proclamation and even the, the concept of cherishing all children of the, you know, nation equally. And, you know, the, you go back to the first doll, you go back then to the subsequent 1937 constitution, like these arguments over what did citizenship mean? What did the Republic mean? Was it a very narrow, you know, Catholic um, independence or was it this broad, you know, which was the agenda of James Connolly and others of a, you know, essentially a socialist republic, a republic of genuine 
equality of you know welfare for all and and you know social justice and inclusion of all rather than a narrow um you know catholic nationality so this isn't a new debate as well or a new discussion but i want to go back to what you did then in terms of you know going discussing with people who were involved directly in the protests so the reason i brought all that up just now was we went down we walked into a couple of blocks of flats uh, that we were invited into uh, one was andrew's court uh i think just andrew's court bigger and smaller i think that that's how they described them yeah the, the, the smaller one is, is is the one that's kind of Dublin City Council have left abandoned and then the bigger one is there's people living there and there's people from you know Brazil and there's travellers in there and you know it's a, it's a great mix so we were invited in there by a local community activist and then another guy I know who lives down that way uh, invited us down to Pierce House so we walked down there and we met a couple of uh, people who lived there and specifically uh, one young man uh, I was chatting to uh I was saying what went on and he said, look, we didn't mean to do it. We were just angry at everybody. And yeah. I went, I went, that's a really interesting thing. Although it might have been portrayed by, you know, uh, the lefties or the fascists or the other groups or this and that, that it was A, B and C, D. This young was just saying, quite simply, it wasn't about any of that. We were just angry because we've been left here because of no employment opportunities because we've no housing opportunities because right next door to Andrew's court is the headquarters of Twitter which is a space where the middle class in this country are engaging in slagging battles about A, B, C and D and hyping up a lot of this sentiment uh, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. And, and I say middle class because Twitter isn't generally the space for working class people working class people are on Facebook or on TikTok you know Middle yeah. class people are on Twitter and right beside Andrew's court, the next building is the headquarters of Twitter. And Twitter recently said that their profits in this country were like ridiculous, one point odd billion euro. Um, you know, and we all know the stories of uh, of uh, the Twitter taxes that the Irish government don't want to take. So what I said in the Sunday Business Post was, this 500 square meters is a beautiful microcosm of exactly what's going on in the whole country, where you have working class people backed up against, you know, international uh, money. And the international money is winning because they have the buying power. They have the litigation, all that type of stuff. They can, working class people can be demonized and defamed more than noon and night. And I know that because that's the history of Ballymoan. But as, as soon as we kind of open our mouths and turn on the microphone and start to talk badly about government or badly about, um, you know, organizations like Twitter or Facebook or TikTok who are driving the fear algorithm, well, then we get shut down. So it's a, it's, it's an interesting space. And this young player, 20 odd year old young player, is in the middle of that, smack bang in the middle of that, looking at his brothers and sisters and cousins homeless who can't get places, looking at far-right um, agitators coming in and whipping up fear, looking at refugees there, looking at Twitter there, looking at Mercedes who's driving up the road and hotels or restaurants or cafes or bars that he's not welcome in, that they're explicitly saying, you're not welcome here. Yeah. So this is the point, that just writing off people involved in these protests, and obviously you do have to differentiate between the hard far-right far organisers and, you know, as you you refer to them as, you know, whipping up and, and they are actively involved in organizing and whipping up 
and then those people like that young guy who are drawn in around it and who are drawn into it because they've been effectively completely abandoned by our country and by their own government and they just see as you say there's such a visceral exclusion and feeling it and being excluded and so they're angry of course they're angry and I always you know the the famous phrase you know riots are the the cry of the oppressed that it's like the notion the simplistic idea that it's just about racism and it's just about refugees it's not it's about all the exclusion the you know generations who've been abandoned who've been excluded you know in this country and it it makes it some way because some people will say, oh, no, you're wrong to bring in all that stuff. That this, You know, if you look in, you know, the, the far right is, is you know, increasing everywhere. This is about immigration. This is about trying to promote integration. This is about, you know, racism and the far right. That those social issues, yeah, they're there, but they're always there. But they're not. They're fundamental to it. Yeah, and some people will say anything and some people will listen to anything. You know what I mean? And if you don't believe in anything, you'll fall. If you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. You know what I mean? I'm not really interested in what some people will say. What I say, or what I see in my community, what I see in working class communities, what I have witnessed every day, what I talk to that young person about, the nuance, uh, it, that's that's the that's the real meat and bones of this. You know what I mean? So people can, yes, say, oh, it's just racism. But we all know that this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Generally, Ireland as a country, our the way that we think is we all know that we we are an immigrant nation. There's depending on what figures you listen listen to, there's 95 million Irish immigrants around the world. So the standard is from the majority of Irish people is we are immigrants. We get the immigrant story. We sing the immigrant song. Uh, you know, we partly invented the immigrant song, but yeah. And um, what the the part that we have no power in, that we have no control of, is um, housing policy. Is what businesses can come into our communities and set up right beside abandoned blocks of flats, uh, where deals that we're not involved in are being uh, written down and agreed uh, right in front of us, and we just don't have any act. We don't have any agency in it. It's 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 almost it's almost like all of the the decision and the power uh, in our lives has been you know contracted out to 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 somebody else. So we don't the only the, the only decision we have is be a good boy, uh, don't sell drugs, and don't end up in prison, and then you'll be grand. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't want to simplify yeah. it too much, but if you're if you're a young twenty year old in Pierce House, what power do you have? But as soon as as soon as an opportunity or a or a push or a shove gets presented to you, and you get pulled one way and, and pushed the other, you're going to show people what power you have. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. and and what happened in this instance was there was the power of anger and the power of 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 destruction and burning a place down. So what what do you think needs to be done, Dean? I think um, I'm a community person. I'm a uh, a human person. I like connecting with people face to face in you know in person where they are listening to their perspective listening to their stories um and just 
and, and engaging in activities that reveal our humanity to each other, the things that we have together, like during uh, things that we have in common, like during Brexit, myself and a Jesuit uh, priest, we pulled together about 40 Protestant Catholics, loyalists and unionists, mainly women, uh, every two or three months. Uh, and we'd sit together and we'd just dialogue and we'd talk and we'd have food and we, you know, have a few drinks and we'd chat. Um, and then what we done in Ballymoon a few weeks ago, which was a football tournament, uh, we run a free gym in, in, in Ballymoon, which, you know, the majority of people who use it now are uh, people in this country who are seeking refuge. Uh, so it's that type of stuff that I think, I, I, I think that's the most effective stuff on the ground. I did suggest in a, in a meeting that I was at recently uh, that if we really want to tackle this, if we really want to have a look at the link between homelessness, housing, uh, disenfranchised youth, far right, we need to throw some serious energy and some serious money at it. Uh, if we want to curb the the growth of fear and hate and, and that thing that the guards are, are meeting, you know, every couple of days now in this country. If we want to really tackle that, then we need to throw some serious money at it. Like Google and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok are earning serious money in this country off of that uh, that same fear. Okay? And I think they're partly responsible for where, it's, where we're going as a country. Like the whole country is in their phones, their heads in their phones. Yeah. And yeah. that's where the narrative is. That's where the conversations are, are happening. And if we want to seriously tackle it, let's let's throw fifty million quid at it. Let's throw a hundred million quid at it. Rather than what we done a few weeks ago was we got maybe twenty grand and we put on the stage and thirty thousand people turned up and it was great for a couple of days and you spoke and I spoke and Christy Moore and Bernard Devlin, you know what I mean? Uh, that's that was brilliant and it was full of love and it was full of community. But uh, if we had a serious commitment from government from the president, from political parties, from schools, from GAA clubs, from tech companies, from social media companies. I think that 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 the solution to this is right in front of us. It's just mm. more of that engagement. It's it's more of those conversations yeah. rather than just leaving it to the wind. Because I think that that's mainly maybe what happened after the Ireland for all thing. We just left it to the wind. You know, we're grand, and we we'll all just go back to our our our, our little. Um, our communities and what I want yeah. to do, but the the agitators have an amazing sales pitch and it's very potent, and we don't we don't have a similar counterpoint or counterbalance sales pitch to what we're offering, which is humanity, love, community, engagement, uh, housing options. We just don't have that. But in some ways, we do, and and I'm just struck. Like I was, you know, you look at some of the protests that are going on and the people who are part of it. And I was really, really struck by what you did in going and talking to that young man and talking to the community. And there was something in it, like if we had it organised, you know, you're saying the money was put behind it to actually have people in communities, you know, the who are supportive of these ideas of refugees and, and of the broader understanding as well. You know, it's essentially community and youth workers and you know, people who understand and work with people who are excluded as well, to sit down and talk and have dialogue with people pro who are genuine, not not the far right, but the people who are protesting and sitting there. 
and actually go, look, let's talk through this. That, you know, without the government, without other interests, without political parties and talk about the humanity. And I do think there's something in that, that there's a power in that conversation that if you could organize it, that people locally could connect and talk to each other and go, look. And, and of course, there is a part of it, which is we, we accept. And this is why in many ways, you know, the government can't solve it. And, and they're, of course, you know, only feeding it is because we are pointing out that actually, you know, we are with you in terms of the abandonment because you have been abandoned and we see that and we know that and we want a society where no one is abandoned and no one is excluded and it's like that that's the vision we have to offer and that and the other point i think and there's something about coming back and going the idea that excluding or protesting against asylum seekers is going to solve your issues is just not factually true it doesn't all it does is actually take attention away from the real causes and it takes the government off the hook and it takes you know the landlords off the hook and it takes you know it puts all the focus on the immigrants and asylum seekers and you look at like you know situation in britain like what is anti what has the far right done for working class communities ever nothing yeah so but they have a great sales pitch fear and hate as the algorithms prove is a great sales pitch Okay, and um, so here's something I done the other day. I got into my car. I had a spare two hours. I drove up to one of the refugee centres near Ballymun. Uh, I knew one of the guy's numbers. I rang him and said, look, I'm going to head to Parmanic Beach for a couple of hours. Is there two or three is that want to come with me? You know what I mean? Yeah. And took them about a half an hour to get their act together. And they came out. And they went to the beach and there was a pair, one pair of shorts between the three of them. And you know what I mean? But eventually we all ended up playing a bit of football and jumping in the sea and chatting to some of the regular swimmers down there. And on the way home, one of the lads took out his phone. We stuck on Michael Jackson and we had a little bit of a sing song. And for those two hours, uh, I, I wasn't a community worker. They weren't, you know, refugees. They weren't the boogeyman. They were just lads having the crack. Okay, and I think that that's powerful. That's community. That's just humanity. Yeah, yeah. Now there Absolutely. there will be those who say, using that phrase again, there will be those who say, I don't really give a rat's what those who say do. I know what what works and what makes other people feel good. And the reason I know what makes other people feel good is because it works for me. Yeah, going down to the yeah. beach and having a bit of crack and kicking the football around and grabbing an ice cream and dancing at your car and all that type of stuff. That's just the crack. And yeah. that's what we're amazing at in this country is the crack. Can we have the crack with ourselves? Can we have the crack with homeless people? Can we have the crack with refugees? The government aren't doing it. They're no crack at all. Yeah. So let's not let's not pretend that we're not the best crack in the world. We <laughs> are. The Irish football supporters are the best crack in the world. Yeah. yeah. That same energy is all that we yeah. need. And it's lovely. It's 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 interesting because I see it, you know, I do the park run down in Fairview, which is East Wall, basically, you know, it's uh, right, you know, literally stones throw away from the refugee uh, centre. And, you know, the guys come over from the refugee centre and run with us. And, you know, I'll shout out to Coffee, who is pushing me in my paces. But, you know, I've met him and the other guys and Sanctuary Runners do great stuff on that. Um and it's just, you know, lovely and you chat afterwards and you're, you know, taking pictures and, you know, we're all humans and, and it is right. It's it's doing those things that just involve 
um, people, and it's like get get break through the othering. Um, is is I think what we have to do find that common humanity, which is what I love about what you're doing, and, and fair play. Um, unfortunately, we have to finish up, Dean, but we'll talk again. Uh, how are you doing yourself anyway, in terms of the work and housing and everything? Uh, I'm good. I'm a very I tend to be an emotional person as much as I'm kind of practical and logical. I'm emotional as well. Yeah, fantastic. After some of the stuff uh, of the last couple of weeks, I did feel a little bit low, a bit sad, some suicidal ideations. But chatting to people, being honest and open, uh, talked to my girlfriend. um, I climbed Mount Errigal. I went and done a sweat lodge with 30 strangers the other day. I'm Jesus, that sounds a bit mad. Go on, I'm what's out, that? I'm out, I'm out in... Sweat Lodge is like what we used to do in Ireland. It's like um, um, like a covering that's covered with blankets and there's, you know, 20 hot stones put in and you're sweating in it, basically. just hot water to them and you're sweating in total darkness with strangers for about two or three hours. And you have to just dig into that uncomfortable space and be very, very comfortable being vulnerable and i think that that's a nice message to put out there let's have the crack and let's expose our own humanity and vulnerability to other people because none of us have a clear what's going on and we all know that when your heart is full and you're having a laugh life is a little bit easier so let's just bring that to the table yeah well listen i appreciate you sharing that and uh, i was conscious because you shared it online and i was struck when i saw it and i you know People have down times and, you know, to, to, to use that phrase, you use there, the suicidal ideation, like that is, it always, it strikes concern, it strikes fear, it strikes worry. Um, and all we can say is that we love you, you know, yeah. and you're an amazing. And I love me. The most important thing is I love me. <laughs> and yes, suicidal ideations 20, 30 years ago was this big boogeyman in the corner. Yeah. But now it's just... It's who we are. We're human. Yeah. We have human thoughts and feelings. Exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah. the more honest we are with ourselves, the more honest we can be with other people and we can come out of that darkness, you know, to use a very spiritual thing, come out of that dark space and into the light and share our experience because we're all going through it. There's not a man, woman, a child in this world that you don't see on a daily basis that isn't going through some kind of journey, through some emotional Absolutely. human journey. Yeah. yeah, and I, I was I, I was struck by uh, sorry. Go on, sorry. I just see that in everybody else because uh, yeah. I know I, I know it's true for me. It has to be true for everybody else. Of course it is. Of course it is. We all. It was uh, one of these Instagram reels I saw was uh, Carl Jung, um, and uh, he described. I thought it was brilliant. He was describing. He said, you know, the idea that we don't have this dark side or you know dark times. All of us is like the idea that we don't have a shadow. The shadow is part of us. It's always there. It's always with us. And it's this idea that it's not that you're always living in your shadow, but it's there. You know, it's always there. Sometimes it's, you know, stronger. Sometimes it's not. And it's about acknowledging that we all have those moments. We all have that time. Um, And of course, you know, for some, it's very, very serious. And, you know, what you talked about is very, very serious. And it's it's not about minimizing it either. And I, and no, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking to minimize or poke fun at it or wave a flag. And no, say, no, I know you're not. And say, poor me. What I'm saying is, this is a human experience. Yeah. So can we just be honest about it and yeah. talk about it and have it less in the shadows and less secretive? 
because we're black belts are secretive stuff in Ireland, sweeping other stuff underneath the carpet. Mm, of course, we so are. Yeah. Uh, let's try put it out there in the open. Let's just yeah. try and be open about it. And if if I'm open about it, maybe you can be open about it, and maybe another person can be open about it. Then there's three of us talking openly and honestly about something, and I think that that's powerful. That's what's needed in this country: that open, honest dialogue. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. Well, listen, Dean, thank you for your honesty and thanks a million for the work you do. Um, it is inspiring and keep it up. And you have your own podcast going as well. Uh, uh, yeah, so I have an amazing podcast with a uh, traveler man from Ballymoon. His name is Martin Stokes. And all it is, is an invitation to listen to me and Martin, you know, once a week for an hour or two. Most people never get to spend more than a couple of minutes with, with a traveler. Uh, because of for loads of reasons in this country, they get scapegoated with a swell. And this is just a slow reveal of how beautiful that this man is, Martin Stokes. It's, it's an amazing opportunity for people to bypass their own blind spots and biases about trappers. Yeah. Well, listen, Dean, I uh, really encourage people to check that out. And also, there is going to be another event um, on June 20th, International um, World Refugee Day in Dublin. So check that out. Um, you can, in terms of, I think, an event in Dublin um, calling on solidarity with refugees. Yeah, it's, it's International Refugee Day. So in your hometown, no matter where you are in the world, do something. You know yeah. what I mean? There's 95 million Irish refugees around the world. Do something in your own town to celebrate that and to celebrate humanity. Exactly, exactly. And listen, uh, if anyone has been affected by any of this, what we've been talking about, uh, you can contact the Samaritans. They're 116123. That's 116123. Uh, big uh, thanks, Dean, for sharing, for coming on, for chatting, um, for the work. And um, listen, listeners, as always, this is an independent podcast produced by uh, Tordeshack Media. If you can become a patron, we are completely reliant on you for uh, keeping the lights on. As always, as well, we ask you if you can share it around, let people know you're listening, and please get active as well. Do what you can in terms of um, the protests on June 20th, June 20th, June 20th. Um, there's lots of other stuff happening as well around housing. There's a protest in Cork on June 11th. Um, lots we can do. Have the conversations. Be good. Mind yourself. Um, and let's be honest. Let's have the conversations and let's change the world to, the, to be one that reflects our common humanity. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much. As, thanks as Gandhi you. says, as Gandhi says, let's have the crack. Let's have the crack as well. Do you know, I need to do a bit more of that. That's what I need to do. Listen, Dean, thanks so much. I will talk to you all very, very soon. Thank you, brother.